Hello everyone and welcome to the Infinite Game Podcast. My name is Lee Mann. I'm an idealist with a passion for inspiring others. I'm a creative, an entrepreneur, and most of all, I'm a work in progress. My goal for this podcast is to share with you stories and ideas from the minds of some of the most thought-provoking and influential people in business, entrepreneurship, and all other areas of life. To learn what it takes to be better than we were yesterday, to live a life full of fulfillment and purpose, and to help and inspire others along the way to learn how to live the infinite game. Now let's get started. All right, welcome to the Infinite Game Podcast. My name is Lee Mann, and today I'm here with Michelle. So thanks so much, Michelle, for coming by and uh, braving the mud there. I know you got a little bit lost on the way. But yeah, I got a good, might, I, I got, got a nice a good tour. Off-road tour, yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. The little I mean, mini did pretty well back there. I was <laughs> yeah. worried for about one second that yeah. I might get stuck, but yeah. <laughs> no, it did well. So yeah, so if you want to maybe just uh, give us a little bit of a uh, background or take us a little bit of through who you are and maybe sure. what, you're, what you're up to. Um, so yeah, people always ask that, that question. That one's always kind of a funny one to answer for me because because um, my background is not at all anywhere close to what I'm doing right now. Um, my background, I, um, so I grew up kind of London area, mm-hmm. once out in London. And uh, my dad was always a business person. He owns a chain of long-term care homes. So I grew up in, in the healthcare world, um, very much so in the healthcare world. And as well on the ownership side of, of the healthcare yeah. kind of industry. So you know, back in the 70s, things was a lot different in terms of our, our, our health care and in terms of business, too. Um, so growing up in that family, you know, dad being gone a lot or when he came home talking about business a lot, that's that's kind of what his passion was. Right. And he like he was a janitor who built himself up all the way through to, you know, own 10 long term care homes and, and run them. So that kind of started me early on on like. I don't know whether it was an expectation in my own head or if it was an expectation that was put on me. That's that's something that I've kind of challenged myself to think about for a while is did I put that expectation on me that, you know, I'm going to go into the family business and I'm going to be, you know, I'm I from a young age. I mean, one of my best friends can tell you I, I would tell her that I was going to live in New York yeah. and I was going to have a greyhound dog and I was going to be rich and I was going to be a businesswoman. That's that's what I was. I wasn't going to have a family and I was I'm going to be married and I don't want kids and none of that. Um, you know, that was, that was where I was going to go when she was going to have the white picket fence and, and the <laughs> 8.5 children and, yep. you know, a gazillion animals and all this kind of stuff. Right. That was our plan. Yeah. So, you know, I find myself in university and going through and graduate university and sure enough, you know, work my way up and through. And, you know, I'm an executive director for seven years of a, of a, um, retirement home. And all of a sudden the world crashed to like a stunning halt for me. So they tell you the universe gives you little signs, right? Little hints that, that you're not maybe following your, your passion or maybe that you need to um, kind of step out of your life a little bit and do some reflecting and, and you kind of get little signs. And if you continue to sort of ignore those signs, you will get literally smacked across the head. And so, you know, one day here I am just doing my thing and I'm going along and all of a sudden, yeah, there goes the universe and smacked me right across the face. So Everything came to a grounding halt. Um, lots of things kind of happened in the middle of that. Like I had a miscarriage. It was my third and it really hit me hard. Um, relationship broke down and, you know, I was just in a really bad place. My dad's alcoholism came to the forefront of our family and I just suffered like a massive depression, kind of went into like a tailspin for about three months. 
And, you know, looking back on it, it was kind of like a hibernation period where I had to sort of really reassess what put me here, you know, because this was not in the plan. This was not this was not the plan. Right. So how did I, you know, how did everything look so good on paper on the surface, but yet feel so awful? And how did I get to this place where like I'm now stuck on my couch? Um, so I really had to take a good hard look um, at what I really truly wanted. And so I started putting my life back together, um, intentionally. And I think that was, that was the key for me was I really needed to do it for me. Um, what do I want irregardless of money? So, you know, my rules for this were, I have to enjoy it. I have to really love it. My heart has to say yes. Um, and it doesn't matter about money. So I kind of had to throw away everything that the old me actually cared about, right? And valued was all this superficial stuff. Um, and then I also had to really argue with my family a lot um, and battle that that kind of, um, you know, I'm pretty sure my parents thought I was like going absolutely insane. They're like, oh my God, she's lost her mind. <laughs> so there I am. I'm like, well, I love yoga. I've been a yoga instructor for 20 years, um, but I never done anything with it. I became an instructor to learn more about what yoga was back then, right? Because it was still really new and people hadn't really caught on to it. Um, and at the time I was a varsity swimmer um, at U of T. So it was really nobody was really doing yoga except hippies, yeah. right? You're, you're a hippie if you're doing yoga back then. <laughs> um, cause I haven't really caught on. Yeah. So I had this background and I've been practicing yoga actively for a long time. So I thought, you know what? I really love that. It's very healing to me. Um, so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find a way to be teaching yoga. And then I'm like, well, you know what? It, I've always worked out. I've always been athletic. I was running at the time triathlons. Um, and so people were always asking me about training programs and can I help them and things like that. So I finally decided, well, maybe I should know what I'm talking about when I'm giving people advice. So I went and got my personal training certification. Um, and then good life was hiring. So I worked for them for about two years. And then I decided, you know, I don't really like, like, I don't really like the gym corporate environment. I want to do like something more intimate. Um, cause I was, you know, we were talking a little bit about this earlier. I was really craving connection with people. Right. So that's how kind of the, the small group training came about just doing it in my basement, you know, a couple of us hanging out. Like, I think we've got 50 people right now. Um, 50 members. Yeah. And we all, we, you know, we like, sometimes I'll do the workout with them. Sometimes not. Um, it kind of depends on how tired I am on the day, but for the most part, like I'm running about 20 classes a week right now and yeah, it's going really well. Um, you know, is it, is it something that five years ago had you have said to me, Michelle, will you be teaching yoga and personal training at your basement? I would have looked at you like you were nuts. I'd be like, uh, no, I'm going to, you know, you know, New York with yep. my condo and my, <laughs> yeah, no. So it's really, it's really, um, it's really rewarding. It's really something, you know, where I'm in a place now where I think I'm listening to something, um, stronger, something stronger than, than my own head you know, and, and the world in general, there's something I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening to something deeper. So when you had that world come crash down, did you know at the moment in time, like obviously everyone goes through that soul searching or what, you know, what's happened? Yeah. How long did it take you or what were some of the steps? <laughs> were you like right away? Like, okay, I gotta oh, you know, no. figure this out. No, okay. no. Right away. I had no idea what was happening. I was just like, my head was a mess. I, um, 
I know I knew I needed help because I was so angry and I was so just confused and sad and just I had no idea where any of these emotions were coming from it was really overwhelming it was a really overwhelming time um and I felt really lost like I didn't have a lot of I I felt like a lot of my friends weren't really my friends um I couldn't really trust people it was a really awful time um and so for a little bit I didn't know whether I wanted to still be around or not um so I was suicidal um and I did get amazing help from some awesome professionals that like because that scared me um you know and the level of emotions that I was feeling really terrified me um, so I realized, you know, I need help. I got to get control of myself. Um, and then it was like baby steps after that. It was kind of like, well, you can't just sit on your couch all day long. So what are you going to do? Right. Um, well, go to the gym. Right. So I started going back to the gym and doing my training. Running um, was always therapeutic for me. So I got back into doing that. Swimming and yoga. Same thing. They were always they were always helpful for me. I learned meditation that was new and that was hard. It was not fun. Um, but that was on the recommendation of one of my therapists who had said, you need to calm down and you need to get outside of your head and you need to find a way to connect to something on a spiritual level. Um, whatever that is, you know, whatever that is. And for me, it's always been nature, Mm -hmm. right? So that was always my calling was like, okay, I'm going to go and just sit in the middle of the woods or I'm going to sit by the lake and go for a walk with the dog. Right. Um, and I'm going to just not have a plan, you know, and that was terrifying for me too, because I'm a planner and, you know, I'm a Taurus. So I like to have my feet firmly on the ground and I like to know what the next step is. And I like, you know, I like all that stuff. I I make lists and, you know, I check them off as we, so this was foreign concept for me. Um, and you know what, things just happened. Like that's, I didn't have an intent. I didn't have a plan. Um, I had no idea what to do with this, you know, so it was like steps just kind of fell into place over, I'd say over a series of three years to really get over the the crisis mm-hmm. part of where I was. And then after that, it still, I mean, still, I'm still just listening, right? I'm still just going with, at this point, I'm like, uh, clearly what I do when I'm in control doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm just going to listen to whatever else yeah. has something more knowledge than me. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I know I, I feel like our paths are similar in that regard. I'm, I know I'm off the podcast there. I was mentioning just about how I was a wedding photographer. Yeah. And um, I was shooting, a, a, people know this, I've discussed this on, on I think other podcasts, but um, how I was, um, I built up a lot of success in my business or what I considered to be success. And even other people, you know, thought of what I was doing as successful. And I had built up this kind of, not, I mean, some of it, I obviously worked very hard at what I, what I did, but there was things in what I felt in my life that were, I wasn't passionate about or, um, just a little bit of a facade of everyone from the outside, social media, different things perceived me to be this person who had everything together where really I was like, I don't even know if I like, enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, and then through a series of events that happened in my business, um, I chose to get like give up the photography, the wedding photography end of it, and I felt, for whatever reason, silly as it sounds now, I felt like, do I have anything left in in you know in the world of value to give? And I was shooting, yeah, and I was shooting a project um, called London at Night, a time lapse video that I was doing, 
and I was on top of one London place and I felt like the, how you mentioned there as well. And I felt, I don't know if I even should be here. Right. I felt like, uh, my lo- had lost, essentially lost my business. Um, and I felt like the, the world of the expectation that I had for myself was completely now divergent from where I actually was. And I don't know if it is the expectation that you lose that causes that to happen, or if it's just the fact that you are discovering yourself who, who you actually are, yeah, right? I think it's an awakening. That's yeah. kind of how I, how I term it now is it's a, it's a call, it's a call and it's a, it's a, it's a, you have two choices in that moment, mm-hmm. right? And you either step into it and you literally take the leap, right? Of yep. just letting things happen the way they are. And that's scary. Yep. Um, or you don't, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, yeah, when you're faced with that decision and it's down to that, like, is my wife, is, is my life worth living? Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's the question, yep. right? Is my life valuable to myself? Not, not to anyone else who cares, right? Mm-hmm. To myself, is my life valuable? Do I have a place in this world? Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, yes is the answer, right? Like, I think it just takes that moment, a really scary moment for most of us to see that, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I, t- it took me a long time. Cause I mean, I used to, I, I say this as an example, even depression, because I used to believe up until that moment, I used to believe that depression was fake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it never really had happened to me. Like as a, as a kid or growing up and even as I was starting my business, I was probably, you know, at this time I was probably in my mid twenties. Um, and I had never really experienced any kind of depression before. And I, I believe that when everyone's, when people would say, oh, I'm depressed or, or I'm anxious or anxiety or anything that I thought that that was all just, you know, just snap out of it. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually have come to really, um, enjoy the moments and, and cherish honestly, the moments that I've had of my struggles because I can empathize. I can't, I can't totally say I can relate because everyone's different, but I can empathize with people who say that they struggle with that because to me, I understand that it is now I would have had a completely different perspective on it. Had it not, had it not happened to me as well. And the other thing is, is that you can look around and from the outside perspective, nobody else would have ever known. I kept most of that secret, right? And nobody else would have, now it's becoming a little bit more uh, talked about a little bit. bit. Um, It's a little more open. But at the time when I was going through that, I I wouldn't have told anybody at all, right? And It's a a stigma and it's hard to come out with that. And a lot of people don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you kind of free yourself of the fact that it doesn't matter what other people think and you're just, I think it's about making a decision to be authentic, right? It's about making a decision to show up in this world as you really are, right? Not as how you want other people to think you are or, you know, Instagram being famous for this, right? The happy, good days and the picture perfect families and the, you know, everything sunshine and roses. No, it's not right. And it's not to say that you have to be on there being all depressing and awful all the time, right? That's not it either, but it's, you know, I think we set ourselves up in the expectation of everything being so perfect all the time and so happy all the time that we forget that we're actually just human beings and we have bad days and some of us really struggle. Um, and it's in those moments that I think we connect the most. It's not in the moments when things are going brilliantly. We don't connect to people then. We connect when people are suffering or people are in pain or people are reaching out and they're saying, here is my soul as a human being. Um, 
and you connect genuinely with another human being soul and, and you have that commonality, right. Of a struggle or of, or of a, um, of a question that's being asked of you. Right. And that you're, you're struggling with, right. Something like that. I've said it. Yeah. yeah, no, I've said in, in other podcasts, I believe, and I say it to a lot of people that I think that vulnerability, uh, has been looked on as something that is a, is a negative or a weakness. I, I believe that vulnerability probably takes some of the most courage that someone can, can have in order to be vulnerable. It's a, it's a really scary thing to do. I mean, I had, at the time when I started talking, um, I, I just decided, you know what, it, I, I actually got sick of myself is what happened was I'd put on such an act, um, for so long that I was sick of it. I was sick of that act. And I'm like, that is not me. So you know what, if people are going to like me or be my friend or follow me or whatever, they're going to do it because it's me. And I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with the whole, the whole drama and, and the act, right? I was so much energy going into that every day. And then you set yourself up on this pedestal that you are going to fall from. Um, and you're constantly worried. Oh my God, what if someone finds out? What if someone finds out that I don't know what I'm doing? What if someone finds out that I'm scared? What if someone finds out that I spend days in bed and can't like get myself out of bed? You know, what if someone walks in my kitchen and all my dishes are piled up? What if they see who I really am, right? That, that fear and it's real. So I just, you know what, one of my things early on was I don't care. I'm just going to start talking about it. And part of that was because I was in a mental frame right then and there where I had no filter. Mm -hmm. So I was going to tell you exactly how I thought, which yeah. was too far the one way because yeah. it, <laughs> you can get yourself in trouble that way too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would just start, I would start saying, Hey, you know what guys, I'm having a bad day today, mm -hmm. like on Facebook. Right. And I, I started telling what was going on in my life in that moment. And people were like, Oh my God, you know, like I just saw you yesterday and you looked fine. You're smiling. You're happy. You're teaching a class. I'm like, yep. Hadn't slept in like eight hours. That was probably like, you know, that was one of the nights where I couldn't get myself out and yeah. like, I didn't want to be there, you know? And, and when you start connecting on that level, it's different things change, mm -hmm. right? So then I was afraid, oh, no one's going to come to my classes. I thought for sure that first post, I had like a full on anxiety attack about posting that first post about my depression. Mm -hmm. And I like, still to this day, I can remember that feeling of, oh my God, right? Holding my breath, checking Facebook the next day, thinking everybody is going to be like unfriend, 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 right? I'm going to have one friend left. That's what I thought, right? And I look on there and what ended up happening was the exact opposite. A lot of people came out and said, hey, me too. Yeah. You know, or you know what? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for like actually putting your real life out there. Just thank you for showing up here as who you are, yeah. you know? And that was kind of, um, interesting to me because it was like, all right, so maybe I don't have to be perfect. Maybe I don't have to play the act and people are still, cause they like you for who you really are, mm -hmm. <laughs> you and, know? And also I think they find elements of themselves in that, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people struggle. A lot of people go yes. through a lot of different things. A lot of people just have, you know, or, or we want to celebrate the successes and say, I worked really hard. It took me a lot of, it didn't, this didn't just come naturally to me. <laughs> I worked really hard for this yeah. and I feel proud in the sense that I've been able to accomplish something. Yeah. Um, you know, but even just sharing those things and being like, yeah, that person's not an overnight success. They worked yeah. their butt off for that. Or, you know, hey, these are all the trials that I had along the way in order to become successful. Yeah. Even those even those things too, right? Um, or sharing those moments where you go, hey, I just had a really bad, you know, week at work. I, I, 
my, my sister brought this up last week and she's just starting a new company and I've had now many failures. So I'm kind of a little bit more used to failure. Um, but she was ready to quit. Like she had, she has a really successful Etsy business that she just started, made tons of sales already just out of the gate. And a few things happened to her and she comes the other day on Easter and says, you know, I want to, I think I want to quit. And I said to her, I said, the success you'll build over enduring through this, you'll wish you had these failures in two months. Failures are a great thing. You'll look back and you'll say, I would trade what I'm failing at now for those moments that I thought I wanted to quit at, at that point. And you're going to learn and you're going to grow from those things. You know, your success is just success. You've won it. Now you're moving on. Right. But a failure forces you to sit back, reflect and grow and learn and maybe do something differently, you know? And I think that, yeah, our failures are, are, I mean, so many people say it, right. They're our biggest teachers. Um, for me, it was like my mind failed, <laughs> you know, my heart failed, my mind failed for me. Um, well, not my heart necessarily. It was always there, but my mind failed me, I think. And I, um, you know, I think I got carried away with other people's expectations and other people's, what I thought success looked like to other people. And I forgot to ask myself the really important question, which was, what do I want? You know, like, do I really want the big house with the five cars and the, the kit? Do I really want that? Or do I just think I want that? You know, what do I really want? So why do you think that was something that, and I know a lot of people, we all have expectations that are similar to that. We all, we all want initially, I think a lot of us (laughs) want those types of things. Why, why do you think it is for you specifically? Why do you think that you wanted those, uh, those things in life? I think because to me, that's how I was one raised to believe that that's what success is. You know, um, as a female, it's, you have children, you have a husband, you get married, you have a house, right? You have a nice house. So that's winning at being a woman, right? Uh, just biologically. So now you've won that. But I always felt my whole life, I don't really want kids and I don't fit that mold. I never fit that mold. I never, you know, other kids, they'd see babies and they, they like, even as teenagers, they'd run over to them and me, I'm like, yep, no, that's great. They're cute. You know, (laughs) I don't want to pick up the baby. (laughs) Um, just this sense of being different, just this, always this ever present kind of sense of, not fitting in. Right. And for the longest time, I thought it was because something was wrong with me. Right. It was, it was something was wrong with me, this feeling. Um, but I think what it, what it ended up being was, no, it's just this expectation that's on all of us. And none of us really fit that. None of us really belong there. Um, but yeah, for a long time, it took me a long, long time to come to terms with. And that's why the miscarriages were so hard for me was because my identity as a woman and as a success, as a successful human being as a woman was tied to this image of you have to be married and you have to have kids. I was married. Um, he was a fabulous person. He treated me amazingly. And I just didn't want to be married. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't fit into that world. It just it always felt like wrong. Right. So, uh, it was a struggle for me for a lot of years to really come to the terms of, I'm just doing things differently and that's kind of okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and just accept that myself. But that took, it took like just until recently for me to be like, all right, so maybe that's not my path. You know, I'm just meant for something different. And I think a lot of us, if we asked why enough, like a kid, almost a lot of 
the societal things that we put on ourselves as to say that this is what is going to make us happy yeah. or this is what we should be doing or, you know, going to school and getting this degree yeah. f- and something that we don't even enjoy. Um, those, if we ask why enough, yeah. we'll figure out that a lot of those things are actually there. Uh, they're meaningless, yeah. right? The, the, the things that say that this is the path we have to take, or this is the path that we should take. If we just stop for a second, sat down in the woods, sat down in our own heads and asked why are we actually doing it? Yeah most of us wouldn't probably be doing them. No. And most of us don't actually, most of us don't ever do that until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where I was really lucky was I had the luxury, I'm going to put it that way of, um, not having the gigantic house and the 10 kids and the husband when I had that moment of, Oh my God, because I bailed out of my life. Yeah. Right. And bailing out of your life when you have responsibilities is a lot harder than what I faced, right? So I was really lucky in the timing of when I kind of woke up, right? And I was really, really lucky. That's not to say it can't be done. I know people who have been stuck in that world for so long and they've broken out of it and they've changed, right? And they're happy. They might not be like raging financial successes, but they are happy, you know, and they're no longer every day zombie like going to work dragging themselves through a day hating everybody around them coming home and being miserable to the whole family you know it's it's really about i think what do you want what do you want out of this life we get one chance you know that's it i always wonder do we change or do we find ourselves um like do we do we change or are we just realizing who we always were I think it's a bit of both. I think you have to, I think you're always flexing. You're always changing. I think you're always adapting. I think, I think, um, I think who you are as a fundamental is not, is not written in stone. You know, I, I used to believe that honestly I did. I, I, I could have sworn to you that people wouldn't be able to change. Um, but I've seen myself change at a very fundamental thing, like down to my beliefs in things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I know people can change. I call it waking up. Um, that's, that is how I kind of term it, but everything about who I am has changed with that sort of awakening mm-hmm. to, and I don't think it was awakening to who I really am. I think it was awakening to something that I'm connected to something else, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was, and, and, uh, you know, God, religion, all of that. I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. I do. I believe in God, uh, not, not a prescribed sense of what God is, is right. But there is something that I, I know I feel now that I never felt before, Mm -hmm. um, ever in, in my life. Right. And I think that that's, at first it terrified me. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm officially going insane. I really have to check myself in. Like I'm, I, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, it's not that I was hearing voices or anything, but there was this sense, mm-hmm. just this sense of you have a place here, you know? And if you just listen <laughs> and stop trying to control everything, you, things are going to be fine. Yeah. And I don't, I, I've been, uh, I was mentioning to you earlier off the podcast how the last six months of my life I've been kind of on a discovery of my own. Um, and one of the things that's been ingrained in my head is, and it's from stoicism, and it basically says that I, I can't control what happens to me, only my reaction to it. Yeah. And so I've been ingraining that in my head and it applies to all areas of my life. But I think that's really something that we have to live by is is that I can't control what's going to happen to me next. Nothing. Only yeah. control that I have is how I react to that. Yeah. And I think that's a very for me has been very powerful because I was one of those people who always tried to, you know, I always thought that I, if I just tried it hard enough, I could 
bend, you know, not people, but situations to the will, right? If yep. I basically, if I basically, you know, put enough effort into it, all that, I could, I could, I could do it. Um, and, and I, I don't think sometimes you, it does work. Yeah, sometimes but, you can, but, but the outcome, but yeah, right. <laughs> down then, the road. <laughs> right. And then, and then, it, and then it ends up being, you know, for what, right? Because yeah. if people don't, if people don't change on their own, like you say, if, if I, and I, I, uh, really resonate with that because I thought my perception of change was I believed up until even recently, I believed that everybody could change other than me. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what I felt. Yeah. And I, and I struggled with that for a long time because I believe because you thought you are who you are. I, I thought I am who I am. I, I think I have, I had full confidence that everybody else can change, yeah. but I thought I was the person who, for some reason would always be stuck as, you know, have, have the faults that I have, you know, I'll never be able to fully, you know, I might want to, and I might know the direction that I would want to go into, but somehow I'll always slip back into the way that I was. Right. And, and, but I, but I somehow have full hundred percent confidence that you would be able to change. I would always tell everybody else that they can change, yeah. but personally for me, never believed it, never fully believed it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that now I think I, I think I ingest enough on a daily basis. I try to read tons. Um, people would probably laugh at me at how much I read and try to consume uh, in a day. Um, but I'm always seeking per- personal growth. There's nothing in my life now that I do almost nothing that I do anymore that is not for personal growth for me every day. Um, and that's because I believe, and I want to be able to believe that I can, that I can change too. Yeah. Right. And no, I've seen people, you know, it, it happens. It happened to me, right? If you hadn't known me five years ago, um, different person, different person. Right. Um, and it, it takes, it takes some good hard looking in the mirror too. Right. Cause there's a lot of things that I'm not proud of, um, and things that I did and things that I, uh, people that I've hurt that you, you know, you look back on that and you reflect, um, and people in, in, in your life are going to show up as mirrors for you too, um, along the way. Right. And you take them as lessons and you kind of thank them and then you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, change is something that I think is, is necessary, right? I think we only evolve because we learn to adapt. And I think in the world we live in right now, everything around us is changing every second, Mm -hmm. you know? And if we stay in one spot for too long and we don't adapt spiritually, mentally, um, you know, physically, even like if we don't continue to kind of learn and grow ourselves, we're going to be lost, right? We're just going to be stuck somewhere. Like you see those people that are kind of stuck, right? And you, and you can see they have a look, they have a, like a look and you can tell they're just, they're just lost, you know, and they're not growing and they're not learning and they're not challenging themselves. Um, I, I tell people about, um, like I'm terrified of heights, terrified, Terrified of heights, terrified of small spaces, and dark small spaces really scare me. Yeah. Dark small spaces with critters, yeah. just and with height and height, yeah, yeah. Never in a million yeah. years would you know I like I my skin crawls thinking about it. Um, but I made a goal to myself. One of the things that I did was you know once a month I'll do something that just absolutely terrifies me to the point where my palms sweat. Mm-hmm. That I thinking about it makes me go into almost panic. Right. So off I go and, you know, I'm rock climbing in Collingwood and there's a place, um, it's, it's a certain climb that when you get, it's about 80 feet up. Um, and when you hit this spot, you have to go through about <laughs> another 20 feet of a really dark, squishy place that you can't move your head in. It's so tight and all you can do, you can't even reach. You have to like shuffle to get to the top. 
And about halfway through my first attempt two years ago, I quit. I just, I got the heck out of there. I was like, oh, I wanted down. And last year I finally did it. And you know, the things that it took for me to do it was stuff that I had to change into, right? Like I had to, I had to grow into those things. I had to learn that I can do this. I had to learn that, you know, um, I had to learn the feeling of overcoming fear too. That was a, another thing, right? Cause I'd never really stepped out of that comfort zone that far, right. To do something that just, just terrified me, you know? So it's little things like that, that I think make us change fundamentally who we are and what we believe and how we relate to other people. Yeah. I just posted, it reminds me because I just posted something the other day and it was basically once we walk through failure or fear, even for that matter, it never seems ever as bad yeah. as when we envision it, right? No, it's perfectly fine. Right. It seems most times perfectly fine or being like, what, what I was scared of that or yeah, like, what I was terrified of that. What did I think was going to happen up here? But in, but in the moments before that or anxiety or whatever it is, it, oh my God, it, full it, on like it, attack. It, yeah. It, it paralyzes us, right? Yes, it can. And, and so how do we convince ourselves? Cause I, I, I hear a lot of times I do hear that word stuck. I feel like I'm stuck. Even, even if it's in entrepreneurship circles or people who are in a nine to five and they, they hate their job and they want to get out of it. Uh, or relationships or whatever, I feel, I feel stuck, right? What, what is that? What did that mean to you? And how do you think that you can move past that fear and failure and all those things to kind of unstuck yourself? Huh, the funny thing was, I never realized I was stuck. Okay. Um, uh, like I said, the universe gives you little hints and you continue to ignore them, right? Well, I was that person. I was so stuck. I didn't even realize I was stuck. Um, I thought, so going back five years, I, I would have looked at my life and been like, yeah, it's all right. But there's this nagging sense. There was a nagging sense of unhappiness. There were times I'd go to bed crying. Um, just this feeling of it not being right, of me not being right, of just not, not right, not right. Was the, the, that's an overwhelming sense that I had. But meanwhile, on paper, like I had a job, I was making 200,000 a year. Um, I had the title, right? I got to wear the nice clothes, the, the designer labels, the, you know, I was wearing heels. That was a big thing for me for some reason. I liked wearing heels to work, you know? Um, I drove a nice car. I, you know, I was dating the guy that I thought matched in my head who I wanted, right? Um, all these things on paper that, you know, was going according to plan. And I never realized how stuck I was. I never went into that feeling of that nagging sense that I would have. What I would do is drink it away, push it away by working out like a crazy person. I'd go for a run. I would, I would pay, like I'd, I'd call that guy that I was with who I wasn't really happy with. And I knew it was toxic, but you know, he, he's there and maybe he'll distract me from this weird sense that I have. And I thought it was me. You know, I really honestly thought I'm just, this is who I am, right? I'm just wrong. And I've had this sense of being wrong since I was a kid, right? So it's just who I am. I'm sure there's a label for it or something. If I go to a doctor, <laughs> yeah. maybe they'll give me a pill, right? Maybe they'll give me a pill to get rid of this feeling. Um, so yeah, it took a massive amount of things going extremely bizarre in my world, all within the period of three weeks for me to just be like, what? <laughs> maybe it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe I just wasn't listening, you know, maybe I was listening to the wrong things. Um, my ego was driving that bus fully and I never once stopped to think that it was wrong. 
you know, that it was wrong, not me, that it was a different part of me, um, that was in charge. That it was the wrong part. Yeah. I, I definitely, I don't have it all there. The daily stoic. I don't know if you've read any of Ryan holiday's stuff, I haven't. but he has a very good book and it's called ego is the enemy. And I read that probably, yeah. I re- read that probably, uh, once a month at least uh-huh. because it's that's a very good title. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it basically says that, 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 and my first business, I believe failed because of that. I believe my relationship, uh, failed because of that, because I, I had situations where I believed that I was building up this facade, this person that I wasn't. And then a bunch of insecurities set in because you go, I got to patch up all these areas that, you know, if people see in what, what's going to happen. And then I have to constantly go into situations where I have to show people that I know what I'm talking about. I have to show everyone that I know more than somebody else does. I have to show somebody that, you know, I'm the be- I'm the better person here because if I don't, then they're going to, they're going to see through all the cracks. Right. Yeah. And I think, so that's why for me, I try to read that book and there's other ones, but I try to read that one that reminds me all the time because I think we can still, as much as we've been through circumstances, as much as we, you know, know that stuff and it's ingrained in our heads, Ego is still the enemy. All It'll the time, always right? be there. Yeah. It'll always be there. Um, it's always there, right? It's there um, right now for me, you know, going through, a, a, I'm at a point with, with, what I'm doing, right. With, with the boot camps and things, I'm at a point where it's, it's getting big, right. And with 50 people, it's, you know, it's this thing of, I'm teaching a lot of classes right now and I'm grateful. And I love every single one of the members. They're all amazing. Um, but there's this pressure do you get a studio, right? Do you become a studio owner? And there's that title and there's all that, but the thing is the old me would have been like, hell yeah, let's go. Right. I love that idea. I love the idea of being a studio owner. I can walk around London. I can say, I own a gym, yeah. right? It doesn't matter whether it's doing well or not, but right. I own a gym, yeah. right? That's, you know, I would have loved that. My ego would have like fully jumped on board with that. And I can still feel that little pull, but now the more overwhelming sense is of like, that makes me feel sick to my stomach, honestly. Um, Cause I know where that goes, right? I know what that leads down to is stress and worry and, and, and it's not what I started, right? It wasn't what my intent was. My intent was to be free. Um, and my intent was to build an intimate place where we could have meaningful connection together. Um, it just happens that that form be, is through working out together because it's what I love and yeah. you know, I got to do it. So why not do it with other people too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sharing that, um, and just being open about, you know, how, who we are with each other. Um, and that's, that's, that's what drew me and that's what continues to kind of, but yeah, you're right. I always have to kind of put it in check where I'm kind of like, this is not all about me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is 100% about us. It's about the community. Um, you know, so sometimes I get on my little high horse and I'm, you know, they're not listening to me or they're doing an exercise wrong or something. And in my head, I'm like, oh, you're not listening, yeah. but that, you know, I can now, I know that voice now. Right. I, whereas before I didn't even recognize that voice. I just thought it was me. Right. That's me. That's my voice. No, that's not, that's not me. <laughs> that's, that's my little ego getting involved there. So you, you learn to shut it down when it kind of rears up a little bit more. Yeah. 
but it took practice for me. I was so just so buried. I didn't even, I was just living from the ego. That's all I was doing. Do you feel like you had to get rid of everything in order yes. to find? So, yes. So like, do you think that everything was the problem or do you think no. that now coming back, had you been in the mindset that you are now, you, you like, I mean, maybe some of the things you were chasing were not the right things, but do you think that ever you had to throw off everything in your life, maybe to find yourself, but then if you were to collect those pieces back together, do you think, oh, well, some of that may have been able to work if, like, I'm just saying, you know, you hear the, the stories where everyone goes, I have to toss everything, right? I lost everything. Yeah. yeah. I lost the, I lost my job. I lost my relationship. I lost, um, for a while, I lost my relationship with my parents. So I lost my family. Um, I lost quite a lot of people who I thought were friends. Right. I'm going to put that term on it. Um, I lost my sense of self. I lost every single thing that I thought I had. I lost my car because I totaled it in a car accident. I, um, you know, the only thing that I was left with was my head, <laughs> me sitting there on my couch. I, thankfully my parents helped me through financially. So I, I had a place to live. Um, and I had my animals, you know, that's all I had at the end of the day. I could not even afford to uh, take a cab anywhere. Um, I'd lost the internet, so I couldn't I couldn't go on Facebook yeah. um, because I couldn't afford I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Cable lost that, yeah. couldn't afford it, right? So there I am going to the library, walking to the library, which was like at the time a very foreign concept to me. And I'm walking, I'm like, hey, I actually like this. Yeah. Look at that. Like I, people are friendly. They talk to you when you're walking around, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, right. I forgot about this whole walking business. Yeah. To Byron Library, which is like literally 15 minute walk from my house. Would, I would have not thought twice about driving my little car down there, right? Yeah. Just you start to wake up a little bit and these little steps wake you up. But did it all have to go? Yeah. In my case, it did. It did. I needed no distractions. I needed none of my usual little things that I was using to ignore that little voice, right? The universe literally smacked me upside the head and made me sit down and really think. It was like being grounded. You know, when you're a kid, you sit in your room and you think about what you did. Yep. That's pretty much what happened to me. Yeah. Everything was taken. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't even distract myself with TV, right? So it was it was literally, you sit right there and you think. <laughs> um, so yeah, that in my case, it had to happen. Everything had to go. It had to be stripped down to bare bones where I had to face that decision, that little decision of, is your life worth it? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and is there meaning to who you are as a, as a soul, yeah. right? Is there meaning? Um, and that was just a question that was asked and it was up to me to find that answer. Um, and yeah, it took me three months to decide that yes, yes, it is, you know, yes, it is worth it. Um, with a lot of help, you know, a lot of help of good friends and therapists and my parents, thank God. And, you know, one really, really good friend who the poor thing, she's been with me since I was seven. So she, <laughs> unfortunately she gets the brunt of, you know, all this wonderful change that's happened. Um, would it have happened? Like if, if things were to come back into my life now that were in place then. So my parents and I now have a relationship. It is very different from how it was before. I was very codependent before. Didn't set boundaries, let them walk all over me. It was very um, toxic, very abusive mm -hmm. because I was always wrong, right? In my head, I was the one in the wrong. They were always right. Mm -hmm. I never once stopped to think, oh my God, you know, these people are human beings and they have flaws and maybe they're wrong. <laughs> um, so we had to reestablish 
the whole scenario of how we would interact with each other. And that was really tough. It's, it's, it's still going on, um, of establishing, I am no longer a child and, and interacting on an adult level. Um, which was very new for all of us, right? It was hard. It was really hard. That was probably the most challenging thing um, out of everything. Friends that, so-called friends that were removed, um, know that I'm very grateful that they're removed. And there was a reason that they were removed and it it showed over time, right? Who was really, Mm -hmm. who really believed in me and who really had genuine friendship with me. and everybody else doesn't matter, you know, everybody else doesn't matter anymore. It's they're gone, you know, and I don't wish them ill and I don't wish anything evil on them. I'm just grateful that I was shown that, Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the relationship. It's there's good and bad, Mm -hmm. right? Um, do I wish it back? No. Um, it taught me the lesson I needed to learn and I'm super grateful for that lesson. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So, and then other things kind of came back in course, right? Other things kind of came back. Um, you know, the finances started to grow again. Once you started kind of aligning yourself with what, you know, once I started doing the things that I just fell into, right? Finances started coming. Um, things started kind of working again, right? Life started to click again (laughs) and clog along. Um, but with a totally different feel, like a totally different, I was free, you know, very free from all that other stuff that had been kind of with me for so long. I think it's interesting because some of us look back and we regret the situations. I think the most powerful thing is to say, like you, like you just mentioned there, what did those situations in life bring me to or teach me about myself or about other people or, or life? Yeah. Um, and those are the moments when we can truly be free because I think as long as we hold regrets or hold grudges or hold, or how did, how did my life, how did I waste this time of my life or, or whatever, we'll we'll never truly be free. No, you're not. You get stuck. And I was stuck in anger for a little bit there too. When the relationship, I blamed him for everything. Um, you know, I blamed my dad, I blamed my parents, they blamed, you know, how could you do this to me? Right. I was the victim and, and I sat there for a, for a while, um, until I realized I've been sitting there my whole life. And it's like, no, there is a time where, y- y- and then and then you get angry, you get angry at yourself, right? You get really angry. And that's when I kind of, that's when I did the most work was that that anger was, you know, I kind of had to realize it's directed at myself. Um, you know, and I had to really take a good hard look in the mirror and be like, you are doing things that are you're not proud of, you know, you aren't this person, you aren't this bitter, angry, vindictive person, you know, and that's how I was behaving. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it's not even about these people or these circumstances. This whole thing is about you and it's a challenge to you, you know, so you can either focus all your energy and, and all that nonsense and being angry and vindictive and mean and coming up with revenge, right? You can do that, but it's not going to serve you in the end, you know? Yeah. So anyone out there who might feel or resonate with that feeling of being stuck Mm -hmm. or being in a situation where it doesn't feel they need, they need something change in their life or what what would you suggest? Listen, that's the biggest thing is just sit and listen and it can take a while. You know, it's not something that's going to come overnight. You're not going to hear it overnight. It's going to be in small little things, but 
it's there. You know, there's something really powerful that we're all connected to and we all have, like I'm tearing up, right? Um, we all have, we all have a purpose here. You know, we do, we all have a very clear purpose. It's just, most of us have forgotten how to listen to hear what that is. You know, um, we're so engaged in our lives. We're so engaged in social media and, and, everything, the news, TV, our work, our kids are, you know, the running around that consumes everyday life, stress and worry bills. We don't ever take the time to just sit down and try to connect to something else, you know, something outside of that and just try, you know, cause it comes, the answers come when you ask, it comes, it does come. And it might not be the answer you want. That's the other thing too. Listen, but do as you're told, right? And it might not be pleasant. It might be telling you things you don't want to do, you know, and it might be really hard, but if you kind of make that promise to yourself that you will do whatever you're told, whatever you hear, and you'll know when that message comes, right? You'll, you'll know it. Um, some people call it instinct or intuition or, you know, the conscience or whatever, but you know, the voice when you hear it and you, you get those weird feelings, right? It's like, Oh, I should turn left down this street. I don't know why, but okay. listen to that, mm-hmm. right? Do it, do it. Even if you feel like a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one day, one of the biggest changes that happened to me was when I met one of my, one of my mentors, I was walking down the street and you know, I was bitching away in my head about what is me, right? Why am I here? I don't have a car and it's raining and here I am marching my butt to the library so I can use the internet. And how did my life get here? Right. And I'm just angry. I was angry that day. And just, you know, trucking down the street with my backpack on. I'm like, I'm almost 40 years old. This is not okay. Right? (laughs) Just mad. And there was something, there was all of a sudden out of nowhere, it was this sign that I looked, it was a sign, a literal sign. (laughs) And I looked up and this sign right in my face said, (laughs) stop trespassing in your life. And I'm like, what the hell just <laughs> happened? So it was a stop sign that someone had spray painted the rest of the words on. And I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, why, who spray paints things like that? Like, are you a philosopher running around with spray paint? And then I look across the road and there is a man just standing there, literally just standing there. There's not a bus stop. There's not, he's just standing there and he just kind of waves. So I, you know, wait back and he, <laughs> He waves me over and I went over and he said, you know, I've seen you walking here a couple of times. And he said, are you okay? That's all he said. Are you okay? And I'm like, I started bawling to the middle street bawling. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like a crazy person. Right. And I thought, Oh God, he's going to call the police. Like I'm, that's it. <laughs> and I remember him just sitting down on the curb with me and he's in a full suit, right? He's in a full suit. He sits down on the curb with me and he says, you know, he goes, um, do you see that house? And we're on Riverside Drive. He goes, do you see that house? And there's a big house that's being developed. He says, I'm the developer for this house. Um, and he said, you know, 10 years ago, I was in the hospital um, for, uh, for a suicide attempt. And he said, you know, I don't know what it is about you, but you standing there staring at that sign, I need to talk to you. And I don't know why I need to talk to you, but let's go for coffee. And we did. And, uh, you know, talking to him, really was a cornerstone for me. It was, it showed me that strangers can be really kind. Um, and it showed me that there is something really, really, really powerful out there, you know, that is going to work on your behalf. Oh, that's a really powerful story there. How, how do you think 
we become somebody like that, right? Like, I mean, like him, like hearing that story, I'm like, I wish, you know, that that's someone that I wish I could be more like in my life. Right. Because I think, I think once, once we heal or once we become a little bit stronger ourselves and we realize that, you know, there's other people out there that may be encountering these types of things. I think I, I personally anyways have an overwhelming feeling of wanting to give back. Yeah. And, and that comes from a vulnerability standpoint and he doesn't know, this guy doesn't know you from, from anywhere. Right. But being able to, and I'm not saying that's the situation that has to unfold, but maybe through, you know, vulnerability on, on posts that we make or just different things, interacting with different people that we, that we come across. How do you think we become, once we kind of find our selves, how do we start to, cause I think that also is part of the healing process. It's huge. I, think, I think in the end of the, being able to help other people, right? Yeah, it's huge. Um, there's a couple of different things on that. Uh, somewhere during the last two years when I was kind of on top of, of the crisis, right? The, the, I had a sense that the crisis is over, right? I'm no longer in that same space anymore. Um, I watched a movie called, um, finding Joe and it was about Joseph Campbell, the work of Joseph Campbell, who uh, talks about the hero's journey. Right. And part of what he says in every fairy tale, in every hero story, in every movie, even up until now, you can even trace it into any, any story that has like a hero that comes out on top, right? The, the end game of the whole hero's journey is to tell your story. That's the end game. Um, why we go through these things is so that we can connect to other human beings and help other human beings as a whole because we're all connected, right? So you do better, I do better. I do better, someone else does better. And it elevates us as a whole, right? So there's these people that go through these enlightenments, if you call it an enlightenment or an awakening or, or a journey where you have these phases, right? Of, of an awakening, of a fall, of a question, of a call to action, he calls it, um, of, of a dare to follow your bliss, of listening, and then coming through that of your duty is to tell your story. Your duty is to share that. Um, and that was his really firm belief was, you know, in telling stories and, and in talking and just sharing with each other in a really genuine, authentic way that that's what our purpose is, is, you know, to go through these experiences and to really talk openly about them. That's what we're here for. And by doing that, we all elevate ourselves. Um, so I really, that really impacted me, um, mostly because I love stories. I've been a writer forever, right? I love writing. I've always been writing. Um, I was an English major and I always thought I wanted to be a reporter because I love stories. Um, so the story part of it resonated with me, the tell your story part. But the other part that resonated was just, yeah, like as soon as I started sharing my journey and what I was going through, I started connecting people like to people in real ways, right? And so what, what meeting my mentor had sort of told me was there's power in, in sharing your weak so-called moments, right? There's power in that. You can, you can take somebody who's at like the end of their rope, right? And you might not know it mm -hmm. and you can really help them. But I think it's taking again, it's being aware, right? It's stepping out of your own head and looking at the people around you and really seeing who they are, right? Not who they want you to think they are, but taking a look at who that person's soul is. And, and maybe in that moment while I was standing there staring at that stupid sign, that's maybe when he just saw my soul because my guard was right down, right? It was just gone, gone. I had no, there was no guard. <laughs> um, 
And I think it's those moments where you have to, you have a choice as, as a human being right now, you have a choice to either reach out and say, I share that with you, um, or walk away, you know, and, and there's no judgment on either. Um, some people are able to reach out and others maybe not yet. Yeah, no, it's really powerful. That's a really powerful story. Um, I'm reminded of a quote when you say that, and I can never get it right, but I do like to say it. <laughs> and it is, I am not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Yeah, it's a, it's something like it's the reflection. Um, Cooley is, 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 is who, yeah. the, who quotes by. But anyways, it basically says that we live, we walk through life a lot of times living through, through the perception of what other people, through the perception of what other yeah. people think, not even what they actually think. No, what we think they think of us. Yeah. Which is usually wrong. Which is usually wrong. We don't know what they're thinking. Which is, we don't know what they're thinking. You know, and, and it's not our business. It's not our business, right? right? Like, Al-Anon was a big life changer for me, going to Al-Anon groups and learning about, um, you know, not only my dad's illness, but how it affected me and the way I think. Mm-hmm. And their step program was really enlightening because it followed a lot of the same other steps, right? Gabby Bernstein's um, steps in her program and and so many different programs that all have the same fundamental steps that you take. And one of those is realizing that you have no business in what other people think of you. You know, that's their stuff. That's their issues. That's their circumstances. You have the responsibility of yourself and that's it. I think one of the other steps that I most associate with, I think that's the final step in, in I'm not overly familiar with it, but I think AA uh, meetings, the final step is to help another alcoholic. Yeah. It, and, I think, and I think that really relates, resonates with me in life um, because I think when we go through situations, the final step to becoming truly free and truly healing yourself is to help somebody else. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what those movements are trying to do. The me too movement and all that. It's, it's, it's people out there saying you're not by yourself, you know? And I think that's really, that's, that's something I needed to hear when I was going through it, that, you know, there's all these people that I look up to that have been there, that have, that have been to this place where I'm sitting at, right? Like there was a moment, um, one of my, he's gone now, but one of my best friends, um, and this is, this is just another example of how weird things work for you, you know? And it was, it was the night that I actually did consider taking my life. And I was sitting on my kitchen floor with a knife and I was crying. Um, and the only thing that was stopping me right then was my golden retriever, Bailey was sitting on the floor with me, staring at me. And I'm like, (laughs) so that's the only thing that stopped me. And then about five minutes in my, one of my really good friends walked in the door. Um, I hadn't called him. We hadn't talked in about two weeks. Um, he'd never dropped by my house unexpectedly before, not once. Uh, he walked right in my door, sat down beside me, took the knife away and said, this is not what we're doing today. Um, and from that day on, like he put me on, he called it gourd watch. Um, you know, but he, and I asked him later, like, what, what, why were you there? You know, what were you doing? (laughs) And he goes, I don't know. He said, I don't know. I just, I knew to drive over, you know, he's like, I, I have no idea, you know, but he'd been there before in his life. Right. Um, so he knew, he just, he knew. And I think when you key into people like that, you know, you asked before, how do you know when to reach out to someone? When you have that shared mutual experience, you can see the phase that somebody is in, you know, you can see it on their, on their face and their body language. You can see it, you know, you can read it because you've been there, you've walked their shoes. So you know it, you know? 
So speaking of giving back, um, maybe if you take us through a little bit of, of your journey on, on how you decided to do that. I know you mentioned a little bit of that um, through through what you're doing now, yeah. um, but maybe just a little bit of that experience of, of getting going on that. And I know you've been met, interesting. Yeah. Um, again, it's not something, it was very organic. Um, one day I literally just put an ad out on Facebook. I didn't even have equipment at the time. Um, I had dumbbells, you know, and I put an ad out and I said, boot camp. I'm going to run a boot camp. So, and it was when I decided to leave good life, right. And go out on my own. I'm like, oh, well, let's just see what happens. And I just put this ad out and like 30 people responded right away. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I better go get some equipment. <laughs> this is, this, this is weird. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then I had to go and get equipment and I was stuck in this place of like, oh my God, well, I can't really afford it. What happens now? Right. Well, things happen, right? Um, my grandmother had passed on two years before and, um, she had blessed all of us with an inheritance and sure enough, doesn't like two days after that ad come out, I get the inheritance check in the mail and it'd been held up, um, because it was being argued right by family. Right. So things happen, things open doors. And that's kind of what I've learned is just listen and do what you're told Mm -hmm. and just have some sort of weird faith that, you know what, it's going to work itself out. And it, it did. Um, so when people were like, I know you said you had background in that anyway, yeah, yeah. but when you chose to do that, um, cause I know that's like a huge, even for entrepreneurs or for anybody else wanting to start something, even if it's a small something, yeah. climbing that hill, even if you want to give back. And even if you want to do all those things, a lot of times people get stuck on, you know, Oh, well, I might not be good enough or, Hey, I don't have the equipment or whatever. Right. There's some excuses in some people's heads. A lot of times that prevents them from doing it. And they may be legitimate. Like they may be legitimate. I did not have equipment. You didn't have equipment. Right. (laughs) I had no idea how I was going to get it. Right. And so what, what do you think got you over that little hurdle there to, to throw that post out there? That was, it was it. I listened, you know, it was it. It was having faith that it's going to work itself out, you know? Um, I made that decision to myself a long time ago that I will listen from now on, you know, and I will act on it no matter how crazy it might seem, you know, and I'll just do it. And I'm just going to have faith that I'm not in control of this. This isn't my, this isn't my circus, right? I'm just, I'm so I'm just going to do it. Um, and every single time it's worked out, the times it hasn't worked out are the times when I get all busy and I get taken over and I, think that I know what's best and I don't sit down and listen to what my gut's telling me. The times I ignore my gut are the times things go wrong, but when I trust it and I just have faith in it and I do it, it works every single time. And five years ago, had I have said those words, like the me five years ago, if she was sitting beside me on the couch would just be like, you're full of it. Right. Never, never would have believed that. Never. You know, I'd heard people say it all the time, all the time. My dad said it all the time, right? And I just was like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It's all about you. You control how things happen, right? So unfortunately, I don't have an answer other than that. It's you take that leap. And if it doesn't work out, it isn't meant to be, but it will be fine. The world won't end, right? And it teaches you, will, you a lot. Yeah, you will move. You will, you will learn something. You, you were probably meant to go through that for whatever reason, you know, but if it does work out, it's going to teach you a whole lot more too. just about having faith in something that you can't see. 
you know, whatever that is, whatever it is, I still don't know. It's weird, but I know that it's there and I know, I know that it works. So I think that's, 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 it's not an easy answer, right? It's a hard one to get to. It's a really hard one for me to even say, because that's just listen. That's it. What do you mean? Just listen, listen to my gut. Yep. (laughs) I do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know that it would work, right? I didn't. I had no idea. I was scared. And and, and then you go into that place of, well, what are they all going to think if I have to message them and say, oh, um, sorry, I have to give you all your money back because we can't do this. Well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, yeah. right? So you look kind of silly. <laughs> um, so you say, I'm sorry, you know, but... I just, yeah, I can't even, even, even now, right. It's, um, when I have decisions that face me, I have to really search how I feel about it. Um, and I have to make sure that it's coming from a place of my instinct and my gut, not from my ego, um, or anybody else influencing it. Right. Um, but yeah, I know when I don't listen, if I make that choice not to listen, I know what's going to happen. You wanted to go a little bit more or, you know, a little bit of more direction about things you've learned even more about yourself through that, that journey of, of giving back in that sense. I think I've literally learned that I don't need a direction. You yeah. know, I've, I've literally learned to just be open, you know, to just be open to whatever comes and just really listen to myself. So I've really grown to trust myself and really grown to trust my inner voice. And I know that it's strong, you know, and I know that it has my best interests at heart. So I have faith in that. And that's been a big thing that changed for me um, because there is, there's a lot of pressure to, you know, get a gym or, or, um, you know, there's down days where your membership goes below 50 and you're like, am I going to be able to pay the bills next month? Am I, you know, are people leaving? Do they not like me? Right. And you get these insecurities and you kind of have to, you just have to sit and kind of question yourself through that sometimes. Like, cause I think the still where I have that, that tendency to go to the, like, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, that's in my head. Um, so, you know, say a boot camper leaves and, um, you know, and, and I had to learn not to take that personally. It's not about me. You know, it's not about me take that ego out of it. Right. It's about them and it's their journey. Um, and I was only meant to play a small part in it. Right. So learning to be accepting of that and learning to just kind of say, okay, you know, um, if it's not right, it's not right. Um, setting boundaries is still a challenge. So when you have maybe some difficult people that you, that you have to deal with, um, or, or somebody that like, for me, I don't want to work with people I'm not comfortable with. So, and I won't, you know, I set this business up so that I'd be happy ultimately. (laughs) So if somebody comes to me, then we're not clicking for whatever reason, I'm not going to be rude about it, but we're just not going to work together, you know? Um, and I, I feel confident in doing that. And people are very taken aback when sometimes I'll do that. It's kind of like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, it's just, you know, there are other, there are other, lots of other trainers out there that might be a better fit for you. We're just not, I don't see that I'm going to be able to get you to your goals, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not the person for you. Um, and that's sometimes a very difficult conversation to have with somebody who maybe doesn't want to hear that. Um, so there's been some hard things, um, 
you know, working out of your own house blends a line between personal and and public. Mm-hmm. Um, people are literally coming in through my front door and they're walking to, and they use my guest bathroom. And so the guest bathrooms right beside the kitchen. So they see my kitchen and, you know, if I happen to have missed doing dishes that day, uh, there they are. And I just, I'm okay with that now. I've learned to kind of relax into that a little bit and not know that like, oh my God, everything has to be sparkly perfect all the time. Right. And I have animals. Um, I foster kittens. So I have five foster kittens right now, three cats that are my own that are full grown and one golden retriever. So it's a zoo. And then, you know, you get the boot campers in there. So six per class down the basement. Sometimes they bring their kids. So then, you know, two, three kids run around upstairs with all the animals. It's, it can be interesting. (laughs) It can be interesting. Um, but it's, it's not me that draws people. It's not the exercise. All, all trainers, we all do basically the same exercises. There's nothing special. It's the community, right? It's that vibe. It's that energy. Um, and the only thing I see is that it's my job to protect that energy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think because I'm, I'm good about being real about who I am now and I'm putting that out there, right? I'm putting that out and not making it inauthentic. I'm drawing the right people to me because, because they're drawn to who I really am, not because they're drawn to who I want them to think I am. And I think there's something freeing about that too in, in business, in life in general, that if we don't try to become other people, then nobody else can be us. Yeah. Right. You're really good at being you. You're really good at being you. Right. <laughs> and, and so people the the people that, you know, want to be near us will come. They'll right? come. They're right? going to find you. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to find and, you. And the second that we start to be somebody else, then you do have competition because you're, you're, you're trying to be somebody else who you're similar to or that, you know, you're trying to mimic. Yes. And then they can go to either or, right? But if you're, if you're yourself, you're the only one that can be you. Well, and that's, I was having a conversation with this. It's really bizarre actually this morning, um, in, in hot yoga, we were talking, um, uh, she's an owner of the, the yoga studio and, and we were talking about, uh, this, this bizarre trend that's sort of happening of people, especially in fitness and the athletic industry starting to branch out and, you know, they're trying to be everything. They're trying to be everything to people and they're trying to, you know, they're offering, hot yoga when they're not hot yoga instructors or they're offering kickboxing classes when their their people aren't certified to teach or you know mom and baby classes when that's not their market or and again not certified like mm-hmm. what are you doing right um stick to what you're good at mm-hmm. be authentic yeah. um you're going to you're going to draw the right crowd just by being who you are yeah. And I really do believe that if you know the things I do with my programming I do them because I genuinely love them So we go and run around outside, not because I think that's fabulous. We do it because I genuinely love doing that. Mm -hmm. And so it's me inviting other people to be like, Hey guys, let's all go run around like crazy people in the rain Mm -hmm. outside and spring bank when it's cold. It's a great idea. Right. And people are like, yeah, I want to do that too, because I'm just a crazy person too. So, you know, or yoga, like yoga in the greenhouse. It was literally, I love plants. I like gardening. I like teaching yoga. I was walking around in Parkway Garden Center one day in the fall and I walked up to the desk and said, do you teach yoga here? And she looked at me and went, no, but we would love to. Yeah. And that's how that started. <laughs> you know, it's, it's if you follow your instincts, you know, and you just follow your own passion, you're just doing what you're doing anyway, mm-hmm. right? You're doing what you love anyway. But I think the problem that I fall into sometimes too 
and I think we all do just in business, right? You have to make money and you have to pay bills. So it's all good to put your faith in something you can't see and can't tangibly believe in, right? That's all fine and dandy to say that. But when push comes to shove and you don't have money and you need to pay the bills the next month, you get stressed out. And the problem is when you're stressed, you're living in a place and you're mentally in an energy in a place of need and grasping and it's desperate and people feel that. Um, whereas if you're just settled into it and you're, you learn to kind of relax into it, you're still, you still got the worries, right? But you learn to see that your source of income, your source of abundance is not from people, right? It takes it on a deeper level. So now you're not grasping at your people and pulling them and they're not feeling like, oh my God, this person, like you're not being overbearing. You're not being that really pushy salesperson. You're not being too hard with them. It's just an easy interaction because you're seeing them as conduits, right? As, as they're meant to be in your life, they're being pulled to you just like you're being pulled to them. But your source of abundance is coming from something deeper because your purpose is not just to make money in this world, right? Your purpose is to help people. So if you start to say in your head rather than, oh my God, I need money. I need to pay the bills. I need this. I need that. I need this. And instead you say, you know, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. And you start putting that energy out there. The people, the money comes, yeah. you know, and the people who you're meant to help are going to find you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get so stuck and I, I still do it too when I'm stressed, right? I get stuck in that place of, oh, I need yeah. money. And, you know, and every time I do that, it gets worse, mm-hmm. right? Until I learn to just chill out and realize, you know, and just say, all right, whatever, you know, fine, you know, universe or whatever it is, just, you know, I just want to help people. So send them my way, you know, whoever needs, whoever needs me, if it's the right thing to do, they'll find me, you know, and just having faith in that, which is really super hard to do. And that's kind of the everyday practice for me is every day connecting to a feeling of something bigger than myself. So whether it's, I put myself out in nature or I sit and watch the kittens playing, right? Like something bigger than myself to remind me that I have no control over any of this. (laughs) So I I think that's probably what's helped me the most. Um, And I think it's also what makes me struggle the most too, because you can get stuck in that, that place of like need and panic, right? And worry. Do you, um, so on top of all these things, what do you like to do for fun or what would you like to do more of if you have more time? I mean, I know as entrepreneurs and different people, we pick something that we love. Yeah. We do it every day. I work out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, yoga, you know, um, reading, I, I take a lot of time to read. I would probably like to write a little bit more. I think that's probably, um, something that I've fallen out of the habit of doing recently. Um, I journal, but I don't ever just kind of like write, just sit down and tell myself a story, right? For no particular reason. Um, not journaling, not just writing, just, you know, whatever's on my head, just write it down, you know, um, with not a necessarily idea of, you know, self-discovery or anything just to sit and write. Um, so I think that's something I'd like to do a little bit more of. Um, I'd like to travel a little bit more. I think that's something that's on my, my goal list is to find a way, you know, how do I, how do I incorporate a little bit more freedom in my life to allow myself to travel a little bit more and see different things? So that's definitely, that's definitely something I'd like to do a little bit more of too. So I think those two things for sure. 
Well, if, if people want to get in a hold of you or get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Easiest way is probably through Facebook or Instagram. So Michelle Westgarth, um, either through Facebook or Instagram. Text, I'm not so great at. And phone, I'm really bad at. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So I got one more question for you. Mm -hmm. It's what impact would you like to have on the world? Impact. Um, I don't know, I guess would be the answer to that. I don't know. I'm going to have whatever impact I have, you know? Um, I think the only thing that I'm like aspiring to do or to be is to just genuinely try to do the best I can every day. Um, you know, that's, that's all, that's all I'm trying. You know, I don't, I don't think I having an impact on the world is that's a lot to ask of one person. Right. So I think all I can do is if I can just do the best I can with every day, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate the conversation. It's been great to, yeah, to connect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks so, thanks so much for coming by. It's a beautiful by. place here too. Well, yeah, you have to, come, have to come back and do some, do some yoga. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a beautiful place for yoga here. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. <laughs> well, thanks, You're sir. welcome. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. Not at all. I've got some... Um,